Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true North Carolina horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to send them in at swampdweller.net. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going. Joining me today sharing one of these stories is my friend Zach Baby TV. If you enjoy their voice and want to check out more of their scary stories, be sure to follow the link that you can find in the description down below. It'd be very appreciated. Now, without any further ado, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from North Carolina. The backwoods of North Carolina are full of old, sleeping houses that ought to be torn down. They dream only awful things. I grew up in a very, very small farm town with a population below 150 or so people. I won't name drop the town for obvious reasons, and even if I did, you wouldn't find anything to write home about. There is a caution light in several abandoned buildings, a barely functional gas station that will grossly overcharge you, and that's really about it. If you go more than half a mile in any direction, you will officially be outside of city limits. Though there are dozens of people who live in these heavily wooded farmlands that we call the town home. Simply because it's the closest thing in shouting distance. Though, that would be akin to saying that Mars was within shouting distance of Earth. I've had a few experiences in these woods that I cannot fully explain. I will describe them the best I can, but I cannot offer any scientific explanation for them. I know that the tales of wendigos and skimwalkers and other forest demon spooks are popular, but wendigos are creatures that belong to the tribal legends centered around the Great Lakes region of the northern United States and eastern coast of Canada. Skimwalkers are pretty much exclusively tied to the Navajo religion and Navajo grounds which are in the deserts of the far west of the United States. Keep that in mind as you read this. I first noticed this presence when I was around 12 years old. Playing in the woods was really the only pastime I had available to me outside of playing video games, but video games got old rather quickly. I was an only child and there wasn't very much to do, and not very many other children in the area, so exploring the woods was a good outlet for my imagination. Prior to my first real experience, the spookiest thing in the woods around here would have been a venomous snake. Even then, the snakes we have here aren't likely to kill you unless you just seriously neglect the wound or have an allergic reaction. Aside from them, the largest predators we have are coyotes, which are usually afraid of humans, and the rare cougar that happens to be passing through, which is so infrequent that it isn't even worth worrying about. So the first day in question was a normal day. I was walking, hiking, collecting rocks, building forts out of sticks, you know, the standard things a 12-year-old boy does. It was about sundown, and I wasn't quite ready to head home yet, when I noticed that something was off. During the summer in North Carolina, the woods are anything but quiet. You have a cacophony of sounds. Cicadas, crickets, frogs, birds. There's a whole chorus of wildlife that all wants to be heard. Heck, you may even get the occasional coyote pack howling or a bobcat screaming. The point of this is that the woods are far from quiet, and the sudden silence in the woods at these times was no accident. But that's precisely what I noticed. All the noises had stopped abruptly. 
I could hear the wind between the mixture of old growth and pines, and I could hear the distant babbling of a creek, but that was about it. It was strange to me, but at the time, I did not realize what an ill omen it was in of itself. I remember thinking that the water sounded peaceful and walking deeper into the woods to listen to it better. As I did, though, I began to get this overwhelming sense of foreboding. It wasn't the standard I feel like I'm being watched, no. I didn't feel any eyes on me or feel like I was being followed or any of those standard paranoias. No, this was... Have you ever stayed at a party too long, you know? You know, you get there at 9, now it's 2am, and suddenly you realize that you don't know anybody who's there. You also didn't see the new guy come in, but now they're staring at you. And come to think about it, so is the girl in the kitchen, you've overstayed your welcome, and it's probably time to go. You know that whole situation? That's exactly what it felt like. Even if I lacked the metaphor to express it at the time, the air itself felt heavy. Everything in my mind and body was screaming at me that I needed to leave. It was telling me that this place was not mine anymore. It had been fine in the morning hours, but now, this was the domain of someone or something else, and I was not welcome. I remember feeling as if the trees were warning me, leave or else. So I did, initially. I walked, but by the time the sun had begun its descent and the sky had begun to darken into twilight, I noticed that I was jogging, almost subconsciously. I never broke into a full sprint. I don't know why, but I felt showing too much fear was a bad idea. Eventually, I made it back to the road and looked back to the woods. I did not see anything, but that's when the feeling of being watched really set in. I felt that there were eyes just beyond the tree line and out of sight, and that they were staring right back at me. I went home and pushed the experience out of my mind as best as I could. From then on, I made it a point to always be out of the woods by dark or have a firearm with me if I knew I was staying later. I should note that there were several times after I wound up in the woods at dusk, but did not have this feeling return. There weren't any special circumstances that seemed to summon it, just sometimes things were fine, others I all but sprinted for civilization. I didn't have any more overt experiences, however, until years later. I do not know what the catalyst was, but the activity ramped up dramatically in a year span. The first experience like this was in October of 2018, and since then, the woods have gone from home for the occasional unsettling experience to a place of actual danger and terror. I went camping with some college friends of mine during the October in question. In total, there were three of us, and we were mostly roughing it. We had a tent, but we chopped our own firewood and all that jazz. We camped deep in the woods. It was dark by the time we fully set up and had finished cooking. We ate, and then we proceeded to get very drunk. I don't know how much we drank, as we were just sipping out of the handle of vodka and passing it around the campfire, as we talked about everything from ghost stories to the more tangible fears in our lives, such as our dating lives and the prospects of post-graduation plans. This went on well into the night, with the stories growing more nonsensical and the laughter growing louder as the pot grew lighter. By 1.30 a.m. or so, it had grown deathly cold. I decided that it was time for me to go to sleep, and that I was going to get in my sleeping bag. The other two weren't ready to sleep yet, and one of my friends, we'll call him Frank, decided he wanted to smoke a cigarette. Meanwhile, the other friend, we'll call him Tim, decided that this was a good time for him to climb a large rock about 70 or so yards away from the tent. 
Frank begrudgingly goes to supervise while he finishes off his cigarette. So they're both a good 70, maybe 80 yards away from my tent. I'm now in my sleeping bag and trying to fall asleep, and I can hear them laughing and talking about something. It's obviously far away, so I can't quite tell what they're saying. It's right at this time that something heavy slams into the side of my tent, like heavy enough that I'm surprised the tent didn't collapse. I didn't move. I was drunk, but not so drunk not to realize that whatever was out there didn't stop to borrow a cup of sugar. That sense of dread filled me at once. Even though I had my shotgun with me, I could not bring myself to reach for it. I felt staying still was a safer approach. I heard something breathing. It wasn't human breathing, though. It was loud and weirdly wet sounding. It wasn't sniffing or anything like that, just deeply breathing. This only went on for a total maybe less than 10 seconds, and at once it was gone. No footsteps, no banging on the tent, no gradual decline in breathing, nothing. It was gone and Frank and Tim never seen that it was there, let alone what it might have been. It's honestly probably best that they didn't. They stayed up a while longer before turning in. I woke up first thing and stepped out to see if there were any footprints. There weren't, but there was something more ominous. The entire clearing we were camping in now had something scattered out throughout the grass. It looked like circles of bones. Not large bones, but crushed up and arranged bones of all creatures like rabbits and small birds. I would assume we were in some sort of predator's hunting ground, save for the fact that the bones were neatly arranged in circles, all the same sizes, with equal spacing. I woke up Tim and Frank. We packed up and left immediately. This last experience is the most recent and the most intense. There was a meteor shower not too long ago, and I returned to the clearing where my friends and I were camping to observe it, as there was very little light pollution there. It was stellar, and I loved every second of it, but I was not out there long when my dog, I brought him with me, he is good company, started acting strange. He had pinned his ears back while lying down and was now staring very intently at the tree line. He wasn't barking or growling. He was silent, but just watching it intently. It was strange, but I assumed he had caught wind of the deer or prey animal, and he was on the hunt, though he was far too lazy to go chase it. After a moment, a nearby coyote howled. I felt a wave of relief as my dog's behavior was beginning to make me uneasy. He was just tense because of the coyote, and it would pass. There was something wrong, though. First of all, coyotes, they usually hunt in packs. It's extremely uncommon for a solo coyote to hunt and howl like this. Second, my dog had begun to whimper now and was shying back to the edge of the truck as though he were afraid, and the coyote was drawing closer, it seemed. My brain began connecting a lot of dots. The woods were silent. That feeling had returned. I was in the same spot as the last encounter, and then I registered the sound of branches breaking. Coyotes are definitely not heavy enough to do that, I thought. And the second I did, as though whatever it was out there waited for me to realize that this thing was not a coyote, it stopped pretending to be one. Or at least, I don't know, it stopped howling. It then erupted into the most horrible sound that I've ever heard. The coyote was laughing. It wasn't a hyena sort of laugh, though. This was garbled. It was a mangled mess of sound that sounded like an animal trying to do a piss-poor job to impersonate the cadence of human laughter. 
And it was on this recording track where after every fourth laugh it seemed to loop. It was rapidly growing louder over the sound of breaking branches. I frantically jumped up, grabbed my dog, and fumbled for my truck keys to get out of there. As I tried to get my keys and my door open, the laugh stopped only for this guttural and deep scream to resound from the forest. I say deep to emphasize that it was not a bobcat or a fox. They have high-pitched sounds. This was very low. It had the same pitch as, say, a roar, but it was in the same horribly botched nonsense that the laugh was in. Of course, the laughter resumed immediately, but as I got in my truck and turned my lights on, it went dead silent. In a moment of stupid bravado and curiosity, I turned my truck towards the tree line before I left to shine my headlights to see if I saw anything. Between the trees, I saw what seemed to be a man. He was of average height and wearing a white t-shirt and I assumed blue jeans. Though I could not see a face or arms or anything of that nature, just his silhouette in his clothes. In hindsight, I think he was only a silhouette. Maybe. I blinked and he was gone. That's my story. I don't know what is in the woods of North Carolina. I don't want to know, and it's probably best if you don't try to find out. It doesn't seem too welcoming to strangers. When I was about 18, I was living in Wilmington, North Carolina, and around there, it is known for its history having ghost tours, festivals, and whatever touristic stuff you'd like around the river and beach. The island is, however, known for darker things, having been part of a place of war and other things in the past. I had a friend I named Solo Cup. He had been at work all night, so I had fallen asleep playing music while I waited for him to get back and I woke to a tapping sound. I thought it was just one of our other roommates moving in their sleep in the other room, or something simple, but yet, I still couldn't sleep after. I looked at the time to see if Solo Cup was arriving soon, and it was about to be 3am, so I started to worry. Oddly enough, I had woken up just in time as he came into the room to chat and sleep. We were lying there in the dark for a moment, in between talking and the tapping came again fiercely at the window this time. The window was two stories up on this beach house and nothing was under it. I grabbed his arm as we met eyes for a second, then I looked back at the window. I asked him if it was windy on his way back from work and he said no. I told him, nothing can make that noise, look at the placement of the house. And it happened again. We didn't sleep next to the window after the following days. We visited my grandmother to spend some time around her and eat some breakfast the next morning. When we arrived, I was waiting in the car so he could go check if the door was unlocked without me getting cold. Solo Cup walks to the old house and goes to open the glass door on the outside. And as he does, this decrepit, scary old woman that was clearly not his grandma walked up to the door and stared at both of us. We saw it clear as day. His grandmother lived alone, and this was not anyone we knew. My eyes met hers, and even without glasses, her eyes burned into my soul. They weren't human. They were solid black. Solo Cup let go of the door and let it close, never taking his eyes off of her, and that thing disappeared into the darkness of the house from the porch light. 
We knew Wilmington probably was haunted, but never thought we'd find a haunting so close to home. Me, my friend, and my girlfriend were staying on top of a small mountain in a yurt in North Carolina for three days. The yurt was one large cylindrical room with two futons and a kitchen table. Two doors to enter the yurt from a porch that circled about half of the building. The first door was to the north and the second door to the west. The second door was close to the futons and the main entrance was north from the futons. On the first night, we made dinner and fell asleep after a nine-hour drive. Nothing out of the ordinary happened. We went out hiking in the morning and had a full day. Lots of fun. We came back and I made dinner and we passed out. That night, my girlfriend woke up and had an extreme and sudden notion that the doors needed to be locked. She got up and locked the door and went back to sleep. She claimed she woke up in a sleepy daze to what looked like a black silhouette sitting at the dinner table next to the bed. She shook it off as a dream or some sort of sleepy hallucination and went back to sleep. We went out again on our third day hiking and returned at sundown. I wanted to take a time lapse of the sun retreating over the mountains, so I ran up to the top of our little hill to set up a time lapse aimed down at the yurt. As I was doing this, my girlfriend and another friend were exploring a trail that led back into the woods of the mountain. We all went back in and I left the camera shooting. I made dinner and then we ate. Afterward, I went up to the top of the hill, alone to retrieve my camera. This is where things started to get weird. I took a pee by my tripod, and as soon as I finished this wave of what I can only explain as energy enveloped me, I suddenly had this image in my mind of something behind me in the woods, slowly approaching, like a wall of fog or something. In my mind, I kept having this image of a strange white figure that could have been like a humanoid tree kneeling by the ground and standing up, then sitting only to repeat this action multiple times. I know this was just in my head, but it was all I could pinpoint. It was like this idea was stuck repeating in my head. So I grabbed my stuff and went in for the night. We all fell asleep in the middle of the night, but I awoke to a huge bang on the wood that sounded like the north door being hit. I was very tired and looked around. Neither my girlfriend nor my friend on the futon five feet away were awake. I shrugged it off and tried to go back asleep. I continue to have dreams as if my vision was just floating inside the yurt, slowly panning along the inner wall looking outside of the windows for hours. Like I was standing in the yurt, walking around, but I had nobody and there was no sound of me walking. Then. I awake again to a huge bang on the other door just six feet from the futon. Since my body was toward it, I opened my eyes and I was immediately fixated at the door, which had a full glass window with a shade. I watched intently looking to see someone, but there was nothing. In my head I was saying, screw this, and shut my eyes and went back to bed. Hours pass and I wake up a third time. This time I was on my side and didn't open my eyes. To my horror. I can hear a voice just outside. It was a sort of inflection more than words. It spoke like a way a person was speaking to another. I had this notion that there were two of whatever it was. Looking in as to say, Look, you can see them right there. I was petrified 
and I looked quick to see the time. It was 5.30 a.m. I once again said F that and went to sleep for the final time. Finally, when we all woke up together, I said to my friend, I don't want to alarm you, but I was hearing some messed up stuff last night. Both my girlfriend and my friend said that they were woken up by those big bangs as well. They were just too scared to say anything. The weird thing is, when each of us hears the noise and wakes up, we had seen that the others were asleep. I do not know what this was, but I, I think we angered something by peeing on top of its mountain. This happened when I was 13 years old. It was a cold January night, and my friend and I were watching scary movies in my living room when I got a text from a girl who lives up the road. Alyssa wanted us to come over, and since we live in the rural part of North Carolina, her house was about five miles away. We had gone over to her house before, but never when it has been this cold. It was negative five degrees. We put on our jackets and gloves and left the house. To get to her house, we must first walk up to my driveway, which is about a half mile long, walk down an unlit road for about a mile past a small pond, and then continue on an old train track for about three miles, which we would then get off and walk through the woods toward her house. The train track passes by a small trailer park across the way from a brick house. We had walked about halfway there when we passed that old brick house. The man who lives there has several hound dogs for hunting. As I said, we live in rural North Carolina, and at night he locks them in a large fenced-in cage so they don't chase off the deer. We crept on past the opposite side of the tracks, closer to a trailer on the edge of the trailer park. The dog started to bark at us, so we ran until we were out of sight. We finally arrived at the house and stayed for a couple of hours. Then we left. On the way back, we stopped about 100 yards short of passing the dogs. For some reason, they were already barking at something. They were chasing something up against the fence, barking at the trailer across the tracks. We couldn't see well since it was a new moon. My friend Connor said he didn't want to go past the trailer. He said he was scared there was something weird happening over there. I shrugged this off because Connor is younger than I am. He is also a lot shorter and slower than me. When we run past the trailer, he can't really keep up. I said I wasn't going to run past him, so we went along. As we got closer, I began to feel a little nervous. I began to get that feeling you know when someone is watching you, but I ignored it. Suddenly, Connor gasped and pointed behind me. Someone was trying to grab me from the bushes in front of the trailer. We ran the whole way home and hid in my room with my doors locked. We talked about what had happened for a while, but I'm not sure what our conclusion really was. We decided to keep my dog in our room for protection, and we decided to go to sleep at around 3 a.m., as I was drifting off to sleep, I got that same feeling as before when we ran past the trailer house. I opened my eyes, and to my horror, there was someone looking at me through my window. I screamed and my dad came rushing into my room. By the time he was there, the man had already disappeared. My dad called the cops and said they would be over to check the area. They came and searched for about an hour, but they didn't find anything to note. The next morning, I texted Alyssa and told her what happened. She texted back a minute later and told us that there had been breaking and entering in the trailer park. I don't know what the guy would have done if I hadn't seen him outside my window, but I had never went past that house again.
First, I live in Murphy, North Carolina, in the center of town. And to the right of my house is a wooded area that is fenced off. I'm mentioning this because it could be of some importance. I'm a 31-year-old female and on weekends, I'm home alone because my two kids stay with my uncle and my husband works late hours. I was coming home from my friend's house. She lives just a couple houses up from me. It was around 8.30pm when I returned home. There are street lights that come to about the mid part of my street and end there. It's about a 40 foot walk in pitch darkness that I have to go to enter my house. I usually go in through the back door because the front door was locked to keep stupid people out. Well, I was chilling on my mattress in my living room. We moved it in there because it's cold in my house and it's easier to move around because I have nerve damage in my foot. So, I was watching some anime, then paused the episode to eat because it's hard for me to eat ramen noodles and watch TV without my glasses sliding down my nose, and I had just let in my cat Ryu because he was meowing frantically at the door. As I opened it, he ran inside and I shut the door. I was puzzled because I didn't know what was wrong. Normally, he stays out all night. I sat back down and as I finished my food, I heard the strange noise on my porch. It sounded like something in between a goat and a bear cub right in front of my door. At first, I thought I was going crazy until I looked at my three cats, Ryu, Dottie, and Lilith. They were looking straight at the front door and were growling and hissing at the noise. And every 30 to 40 seconds, it would make that horrible noise and end with clicking sounds and thumping on the outside of my house. At this point, I was terrified. Tears began to fall down my cheeks, tears of fear. I hurriedly texted my husband at work and told him that I heard something strange and the cats were acting very weird. He told me to lock the front door. I was terrified of making any noise, and as I approached the door, I was on my knees. I didn't want to see the thing, and as I reached the door lock, it made that same sound again. I jumped in fear, hurriedly locked the door, and scrambled back to my bed. The sounds of thumping on the walls made me burst into tears and I pulled my blankets over me. I was so scared. Then the sound stopped abruptly and all was silent. As my heart raced, I sat still, afraid to make the smallest sound. I had thought about calling 911, but they would never believe me. I felt trapped and stalked. As I stared around checking my cat's reactions, I heard this loud sound that sounded almost like a howler monkey and as fast as it started. It stopped. Then, probably about five minutes later, I could hear it circle my house making that sound like a goat and a bear, and it was scratching and thumping on the house. By this time my chest hurt from the stress and fear. I felt the sensation like impending doom and evil. It made this goat-like sound and returned to my porch, and for a few seconds it got louder, and then it vanished. One thing I know for sure is, from the Native American part of my family, is that they say a lot of things are here in the Smoky Mountains, and to never look at them. I also need to say that I have been a witch ever since I was 13 years old, and I am linked also by the Nordic blood in my family from the other side. We know a few things about magic and the creatures of the woods that are natural. I've grown up with them, but the sound I heard was nothing an animal would make around here. I don't know what it was, but I'm afraid it might come back and stalk me again. What I'm telling you sounds impossible, and I'm sure this was my first encounter with this thing, but I'm sure it's not my last. If anyone has any advice that could help me feel safe and protect my family, please let me know. Any help would be appreciated.
Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from North Carolina. Being someone who's lived in North Carolina for a while myself, I can tell you it's a pretty creepy place sometimes, but absolutely beautiful. I would recommend anyone to check out the Blue Ridge. I still make a trip up there once a year, even from my swampy abode here down in Florida. Thanks for listening, and as always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button. If you enjoyed them, because it helps me out a ton, YouTube promotes this much more when you hit that like button. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, because I upload them nearly every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating as it's incredibly helpful to the show. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's something natural or supernatural, please be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net. And if you're submitting a story for the United States series, be sure to tell me what state in your story that your story is from. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the Swamp. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you guys. If you guys are on the go and would like to still listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's free, and will always be free. If you would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and maybe giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, check out their merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.